Why, hello everybody, and welcome back. I'm Random Randy. Thanks for tuning into the channel. And uh, today we're going to be speaking about ancient Egypt, uh, specifically the the idea that the the pyramids, uh, you know, and what we know today is like touristic Egypt may have been the product of Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte. So it's a possibility, just like many of the possibilities out there. Um, I've looked at quite a few different pictures and things. Uh, again, this is, you know, armchair research is the best that I can do from my location. And, um, you know, it, it kind of uh, strikes me as interesting when you see artifacts being discovered right around the periods that the tourism is hurting in Egypt. Um, you have Zawi Hawass, you know, doing his thing, basically gatekeeping all of the information about ancient Egypt. You know, they are starting to come out with some ideas and, and some notions of this energy generation kind of thing happening um, in the Heliopolis and stuff like that. So there's a lot of interesting, like, weird tie-ins to the Tartaria subject that are like kind of unfolding at the same time over on the, uh, you know, ancient aliens, ancient Egypt, you know, front thread thought, right? Anyway, um, so the idea of Napoleon Bonaparte being the mastermind behind the construction of the three great pyramids of Egypt uh, definitely could sound ludicrous at best. But, um, you know, in my humble opinion and many others, the story that we're being given simply is not true or at a minimum is not the complete truth. It's just kind of a spun idea uh, for everybody out there, you know. And, uh, you know, keep in mind that stories are, are how we remember our past. Oftentimes things get relegated to uh, myth and legend that may very well have taken place at one point on this realm. Um, you know, one thing I like to think about and, and, you know, to be quite honest, makes a lot of sense to me is when I look at technology or I look at learned behavior in people, there had to have been a progression of these behaviors. Much of the way that we live and conduct ourselves on a daily basis is just not natural. Um, not natural in the primal monkey man sense right so that's kind of leading towards the understanding that you know if we did and this is a big if if we did come from apes and grow and uh you know transcend apehood into our current state if right there's no sign of the progression that it would take for us to reach what we have and this is why the ancient alien hypothesis, if you want to call it that, sure, why that concept is gaining ground or just has stayed above ground uh, for the past 20 years. It's because we are not shown that progression. Okay. Now, a lot of folks might think that there simply was not a progression of that sense and that maybe we have actually been digressing. Uh, generation after generation, humanity after humanity, okay? And that ties into some of the little bit of the last stuff in the last video with the Patagonian giants. 
Um, you know, giants seem to have been a real thing in the past. Were they alien? Were they Anunnaki? Like we're kind of being told in the new, uh, you know, ancient alien narrative. I don't know. But the idea of the Egyptian pyri pyramids not, not being as old as we're taught, or at least not being maybe what we're taught altogether, okay, uh, is an interesting, you know, it's an interesting thought. So there, there are three pyramids in Giza, the Pyramid of Khufu, Khafre, and Menkare. Uh, were built, uh, see, science says the Khufu one was built around 2560 B.C., and um, other scholars aren't really sure. And it's funny, if you go and look on Google, and we'll, we'll take a look at that here in a minute. If you go look on Google, when were the pyramids discovered? It doesn't tell you. It tells you how old they are. So there's some interesting, like, diverting of attention going on with this subject. So now there are, are pictures and things, you know, of the Sphinx that don't make a lot of sense based on what we're told right um and there are a lot of paintings that show it like this but then like as we will see in a future video it's going to need its whole own video guys um because it has to do with you know concrete basically being used to either patch up the pyramids or actually build them and um you know it's hard to tell which uh or to cover up maybe hidden technology things like that there's some evidence of that in the the photos, uh, which, you know, are from a Russian thread, which is interesting how we are taught to fight with each other and fight one hemisphere against the other and not entertain ideas of the opposite hemisphere because they're garbage or whatever. But, you know, really, we're all being led, everybody, um, you know, and where you're led is up to you and what stories we carry on into our future as uh, you know, dystopian as it may wind up being or utopian as it may wind up being, the stories that we carry with us into that future are what make the difference. And at some point, uh, it seems to be right around, you know, the 17 and 1800s, there was a mass decision to only bring certain stories into the future that is today. All right. And the Egypt story is one of those. So for what it's worth, it's just a story. Uh, you know, hopefully your panties don't get all bunched up regardless of, uh, you know, what type of person you are, um, you should be able to see this as a story, understand that we are being told stories to kind of, you know, impart a purpose in our lives and, and, and in our creative direction. So that being said, we're going to look at today, uh, you know, some interesting things, a, a little bit of books, manuscripts, maps and art, some hieroglyphs and engravings. Uh, done by Piranesi, very famous artist who has done etchings of ancient Rome, ancient Egypt, very neoclassical, you know, ruin type landscapes. Um, we'll look at 18th century master builders. We'll look a little bit at Napoleon Bonaparte's French campaign in Egypt and Syria. And was lime or a mortar like substance used to produce blocks for the Great Pyramids? So was limestone the thing right was it the concrete was it the hidden roman concrete we hear so much about did that in history get relegated to oh that's limestone it's it's a bedrock stone right but what really is stone when you look at it any stone most stones 
appear as though they have different size granules embedded just like concrete does. Some may have undergone some kind of a heat process. Some may have gone, undergone processes we just don't know about anymore, or we're specifically taught not to know about to bolster the current geologic, uh, you know, hypothesis. Okay. So we'll look at some books, some manuscripts, maps, and art. And uh, I'll go ahead and read through a lot of this. One thing that I wanted to point out, everybody, is we're going to look, be looking at something called an engram. Now, a Google engram just shows you basically here. Let's take a look just so you guys understand, because this will come up in other videos, too. Um, if you were to type in pyramids of Egypt in the engram viewer, here's what you would see. No mention. All the way up until about 1650. Okay. So for me, this marks the time period when a decision was made, when history was written and or rewritten to fit the current narrative. So our current narrative may only be as old as the year 1650. Okay. When you search this in Google Ngram, this is telling you the number of mentions, basically, uh, and, and it'll specify different books that you can look at that are those uh, mentions that it talks about so it's just statistics guys just showing that you know the stats are before 1650 there was nearly or possibly no mention of the pyramids of egypt okay so there's going to be some of those and and we're going to take a look at some of those kind of right out of the gate here and uh you know so it does appear that from 1500 to 1700 you know, the, uh, you see what I'm saying here? Pyramid of Egypt and Google Books. So this is the mention in books. Pyramids of Giza, not mentioned until even later. Okay. So that begs the question, were there more pyramids? What's, what's going on here? Why the change in like, Verbiage pyramids of Egypt just starts out in the 1630s, 1640s. Nothing before that. Same here. Egyptian pyramids. Great pyramids. This is an interesting little insight here. They are not called the Great Pyramids until just prior to the 1800s. Just prior. So what was going on in the 16 and 1700s? That's the real question. That's what, you know, most people really want to know. So we search with, uh, for great pyramids. We end up with 1795 to 1798 is the time when the great pyramids were first mentioned. Uh, this could be attributed to the combination great pyramids not being used at the time. Also could be attributed to the existing pyramids not being as great to qualify for greatness we see in the Great Pyramids today. So uh, there's a publication, however, in the mainstream, or we'll call it, you know, the mainstream, because it is, uh, mentioning pyramids in the Bible itself. And it's by Graham Hancock. And uh, he says it's mentioned in Isaiah 19. I think it's, some people might consider it a bit of a stretch, uh, but we'll go ahead and, and take a look at that anyway for you. Um, the Isaiah 19 account of 2141 years before the Christian era the year of tears. And on that day, there shall be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt. 
and so what he says is this a, is a quote from an ancient Coptic text that was transcribed from a Hebrew text, which was written eighth century before the Christian era began by a man named Isaiah. A later Egyptian writer slash historian mirrors this 19th chapter of Isaiah by the name of Manetho of the third century before the Christian era in his description is one of the uh, first intermediate period of Egyptian history. The description in the chapter of Isaiah is not a future event as in his 11th and 51st chapters, but an event of the past 1300 years before Isaiah's birth, a commentary on the flood and aftermath caused by the destruction of the Isis dam across the Nile, causing the season of chaos or season cosis um, in Egypt's history. And uh, yeah. And so, so uh Isaiah 19, on that day there shall be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar at its border to the Lord. Uh, 20, and it shall be a sign and a witness to the Lord of the host, to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. So there's, see, there's some really interesting verbiage in the way that things are said in all uh, scriptures, no matter what. There, it, there's always like this weird mystery meaning underlying between the lines between those lines kind of thing going on with these spiritual teachings and it's very interesting now so the decoding of all of this uh is something that graham hancock gets further into but um basically are you know a pillar what is a pillar a tall rock or stack of rocks what is an altar is a place to meet with god so we've heard of the great pyramid being like a meeting place to meet God. Right. Like, you know, we hear about, uh, Aleister Crowley going in there into the great pyramid and meditating and meeting his, uh, dark self or satanic being or some kind of entity. And, and then that's where black magic comes from. Like that's the story. Okay. So, you know, it, it's very interesting all of the different nods to different types of God in the Bible, different specific ones. The Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. Is that a specific governor, you know, of the land of Egypt? Um, so, you know, our past is so mysterious and so it, it, just interesting that I think that we've lost a lot of it and it's it's upsetting. But once you start to see you know, the way that the narrative has been built over the last few hundred years, it becomes a little bit more comfortable to, you know, look at, all right, are our myths so far from the truth? Are our legends so far from the truth? What all are they hiding in stories? And, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate for people out there, but you have to use discernment in, uh, in analyzing the stories that you're pitched, that you're sold, Hollywood, through books, and so on. These all have inspiration that comes from our past, our roots. So that being said, so another thing when it comes to Egypt that we're told and like given us proof for these great pyramids are manuscripts. And, you know, any documentation of any kind out of the gate being written by man infers alternative motives, right? Um, and I think that that can apply to anything written by any person. A uh, person is going to have a specific objective in mind when they're creating said documents. Okay. Um, a certain channel is going to have an objective in mind when they're putting out content. 
you know what I mean? We all have objectives in what we do with ourselves every single day. We have our own personal objectives. Does that mean that it's inherently evil? Does that mean that the rewriting of history is inherently flawed and evil and dark? You know, I really don't think so. I, I think it's just something that happens. This is something that people do um, to mark the transition between time periods we're seeing this happen right now right all across the board and the stories that our children and our children's children know and relate to as true history are going to be completely different than everything that you and i have grown up with so regardless of of how or why that happens it's happening and it has happened okay and so if you can get comfortable with that fact, you can start looking at things a little bit more freely and have a, a little bit more, you know, patience and understanding for theories, right? These are all just theories. These are all thoughts. Um, it's up to the rest of us to humor these thoughts or not. And that decides what travels to the future, uh, you know, as far as subject matter. So as you know, manuscripts, uh, probably deserve a little bit more attention, uh, you know, than than books because this is what we are are told. Like they pull the information of like a primary source. So <laughs> here's one scenario: the this guy who lived in 1226 copied a document which was dated 846. Scientist Mr. X was able to locate the 1226 copy in his grandma's attic in 1854. And, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that we see all across the board when it comes to history. Now, grandma's house burnt down in 1855 and the copy perished in the fire, but not before Mr. X took some notes. Here is the book printed in 1876 describing what the 846 BC document was saying. So this is exactly what we have as source documentation for these histories. Okay, so it's something to keep in mind when you're watching the History Channel. When you're listening to my voice right now, it's something to keep in mind. Everything is based on someone else's thought from relatively recently across the board. So the initial book is followed up by 400 different editions and scientific analysis papers. And then on the tail end of that, here comes the official narrative the official dogmatic version okay so that's what we're dealing with with history and it's across the board it's not just ancient egypt it's happening right now in the tartaria movement certain things are being pushed forward other things held back okay the one thing you don't see very much pressing on and you saw it maybe three or four years ago on some of john levi's work was the fractal antenna ether extraction and so on that stuff is being kept away from us and we're being spun this whole, we couldn't build it, we couldn't do that thing. We are not capable, woe are us, right? And I don't agree with that. I think that we're exceptionally capable as humanity. Yes, there are groups that are not as capable, sure, but you also have the polar opposite of that. It's unfortunate that we're not shown much of that in our day-to-day -day lives. We're not shown much of the excellence in humanity. It's all kept behind closed doors, compartmentalized, and so on. So I'm getting a little off topic here today. This is going to be a longer video, so it's all right. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, if you'd like to take a look into something yourself, you know, look at 
at researching this, this thought, okay? According to Arabian historian Ibn Abd al-Salam's records, I hope I pronounced that right, the Pyramid of Khafre was open in 1372 BC. Okay, so go and look for that. Go look for it. You want me to show you really quickly where Google uh, says the Egyptian pyramids were first mentioned? Let's take a look at that, shall we? When was the first Egyptian pyramid discovered? We're going to go big on this one. Okay, let's take a see, see what uh, Google has to say here. <laughs> this is what we run into in, in historical research, everybody. We've got the Smithsonian up top telling us about the world's oldest papyrus that somehow magnificently made it through to the current age even though paper rots and falls apart after a couple hundred years this magnificent papyrus that we no longer have the technology for right <laughs> so <clears throat> this is what we get and keep in mind guys what did i ask when was the first egyptian pyramid discovered <laughs> Tells us uh, when it was built. That's not an answer to that question. And, you know, those of you that believe that Google gives answers is an answer engine. It is not. It is a search engine. It is redirecting you to another place. Okay. So redirect, redirect. Who found the first pyramid? <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, I hope you guys are like reading this. Although the Egyptians are credited with building the very first pyramids, they are not the only ancient. That is not who built the first pyramid. Who found the first pyramid? The first historically documented Egyptian pyramid is attributed to Egyptologists to the third dynasty, Pharaoh Yoser. Okay. What does that mean to your average person? Yoser? So Emotep? The Smithsonian, of course, giving us this information, right? This is your mainstream narrative origin here. Okay? Installing these names to suit a purpose. So anyway, interesting stuff. It makes a lot of sense that this stuff is not 100% true, that things are being fabricated, that there is, in fact, a power structure that is leading, some might call it misleading, the thoughts of everybody here to suit a certain purpose. But I, you know, I got to ask, is that terrible? Is that a terrible thing? Now, um, maps, you know, are, of course, iffy, tricky at best, also created by people, right? And, you know, it would be easy to drop some maps, say that they are old, same as that it's easy to drop a history of someplace and say that it is old, right? So we're looking at some, this is like some new stuff here, showing all your different pyramid structures if you look at the gaia channel and they talk about going to each temple to learn different mysteries 
of the mystery schools. And keep in mind, everybody, these mystery schools have developed into masonry, Freemasonry that we know today, and different secret societies that claim to hold different secret truths, and so on. Okay? One thing that I don't think that you'll see in these later maps that we're going to look at is the Sphinx, oddly enough. And you guys are going to love when we get into the up-close photographs of the... Uh, the plateau there and Giza and the Sphinx, some very interesting stuff that begs the question, was this stuff just put up kind of like all of the amusement parks, kind of like all of the world's fairs. Now, some would say that those were all impossible structures, not if you have a workforce of thousands of people, right? I mean, you have millions of people attending these things. I'm sure some of those attendees took part in building a lot of it. And just because they use technology that they didn't decided later to not tell people about doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. I'm just saying, guys, you know, I, I think that we were mentally reset into an earlier state because we had gotten all that we were going to get out of that analog lifestyle. Okay. I think it's there's a purpose there. Is it a, a divine or a dark purpose? I, I don't know, but it is a purpose. It's there. So the pyramids of Giza. So older maps, and we're going to get to those here in just a second. Um, I mean, you know, these are huge structures, obviously, guys. And, and we know that there's tons of stuff underground over here. They're like slowly trickling it out, showing us, telling us about this underground structure that stretches the entire plateau, you know. Um, so let's look at those maps. Let's take a look. Maps are fun. I enjoy them. Wow. And this is supposedly when? 1575? Interesting. This looks like a modern rendition of what they want you to think an old map would sound like. Look at this little pyramid guy up here. Interesting. We have city walls. We have mosques. We have, you know, some trees out here and some fields and things. Of course, we have horseback knights, right? This is what they want you to believe happened in the 1570s. Personally, I think it was a bit more technologically advanced and that we were in a kind of a golden era, if you will. Uh, probably comparable to today. I know a lot of people would beg to differ about, you know, the era that we're currently in being golden. But I, you know, I see a lot of really great things happening, uh, a lot of really divine purpose being fulfilled. Of course, there are some dark purposes being fulfilled also. So I think this would constitute like a palace and all the surrounding grounds. Okay, and we've got our people climbing the trees to get them coconuts with their sabers and stuff. So there's this picture that is painted for us, guys, of this time period. Okay. Very interesting stuff. Obelisks. And then here, here's what's interesting. What do we have in the Giza Plateau? But the remnants beneath the sand... This is an interesting thing about where all the sand came from, too, guys. There are thoughts out there of ancient silica-based life forms. 
these life forms would live a longer time scale than we do, we would not recognize them as life in our current paradigm. Now, these appear just as the devil's tower to be flat top mesas and or you could call them tree stumps. Interesting thing about these tree stumps is these used to channel water. If they if they were humor, humor the thought, right? If these were giant trees, they would need to bring water up through the roots to the top of the tree, even if they were based on silica life. I'm sure that water plays a big part in all life. Any life, water is the key, okay? Um, that's, that's why we have holy water. Water is the key. It can be blessed. It can be manipulated. It can be changed. It can, you know, it's a beautiful thing, water. Okay. These tree stumps would have had to, these trees would have had to channel that water. Now, why would you have structures sitting on top of these? Because you would then be able to probably mine beneath them, extract things, possibly energy, possibly these structures are actually just giving those springs, those hydro springs, an outlet. Or say you hollowed one out and wanted to hide information and knowledge in there, much as is said about the Sphinx. Now, it's very interesting when you look at these different versions of the Sphinx, it looks very different than today. So do these pyramids. Today, we don't see an entryway at the bottom. We just see the top part of it. You know, uh, they always look way more pointy in these older pictures. So I wonder, you know, I really do wonder were these pyramids, you know, thought of as like the, the towers of Babylon, what, what was going on with these pyramids? Why are they on these like tree stump things right all along here? I think that they're just, you know, kind of capstones for these springs that well up from within these mountains, mountains. Okay. And, uh, and maybe they are placed on energy points. Maybe there was an understanding of, scalar energy back then maybe these maps aren't even real who knows right so you know th those are some of the thoughts the ideas there let's take a look at you know a uh 1575 cairo map okay and uh also also out here we've got it look at see this is not a sphinx this is not a sphinx. This is the bust of a woman. <laughs> Why would it say IS? ISIS? Is that who this is supposed to be? Very interesting though, am I right? More tree stump style, pyramid capped. Oh, no, no, it's 15. Sorry, guys, it's 15. Let's see what it was called. Do, 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 do. La fascia sola de questa testa el loga tu irachi es si dice ser fatin fare da do rodope regina di etigo e firme tu una pirmede per sua memoria. Okay, in the memory of something, this face. Uh, of a god, maybe? El loga? Or like logos or God. So, you know, but Regina, is that another name for for Isis or is that another name for which, you know, God that we relate to is, is it another name for? Or is this just the medieval European name 
for a goddess that has long been relegated to the past. Right? We we really don't know. We just know what stories have survived. And the current paradigm is ancient aliens. That's what survived. <laughs> so was it even more awesome? Was it even cooler? Were there many, many different types of people doing many different things, all very beautiful and and you know, also at the same time chaotic and whatnot? One thing I want to note about this particular map is we don't see the red marks on all these towns. We don't. We don't see the red marks. So does this mean they weren't in ruins yet? I think that's what that this means. And this is 1570. So you see that there's just some weird things happening with maps. I This looks like modern type print to me. Right? Does it look like modern type print to you? Uh, I'm telling you guys. I don't know. Now, see, this is what more what you would expect from actually earlier, but this is 1587. This is the Monte, the famous Monte Urbano map, right? So 1587, we were gifted this, supposedly. Cairo, big walled city, pyramids over here. Very interesting. I love looking at this map. Yeah. And all of these are found in David Rumsey collection. Uh, let's see if I can't recall to put that in there for you, everybody. The city of Cairo, 1554. So this is an even earlier map. Gold domes. This look like they dug holes out here or something. Not sure what's going on there, but it's interesting, isn't it? Maybe these are fields. But this is clearly of an eastern origin, this map. So what if what if guys, you know, the, the entire world had these gold dome cities? Now a lot of people don't look at this, these pentagonal structures. City on an island with pillars, always gold-tipped. You know, as much as most folks don't want to admit, gold is the finest conductor of electricity there is. The sun is a generator of electricity, as you know. Now, maybe we have only recently come up with a more inexpensive fashion of creating solar panels, but what if this was it, guys? What if this was the solar technology back then? What if they were doing everything green? Right? Moving water with gravity. Beautiful, ultimate green living. Okay? Keeping their lights on from all of this conductivity here. Always with water channeled through and in. Very interesting. So curious, isn't it? You see the boats out here on the land? <laughs> Does that not make you wonder a little bit, everybody? Doesn't it? Kind of seems to me that this was all water or marsh or something. Why would the boats be on the land? God, this is making zero sense. But it makes zero sense until it makes sense, right? 
Did they have land barges? Are these code for airships? Dun dun dun. So you know the thought, the the plot, and the thought gets ever thicker and ever more winding into possibility. And I, I think possibilities are beautiful things. Interesting difference in the pyramids here. It's wild stuff. Wild stuff. Map of ancient Egypt. This is circa old. It says. <laughs> okay i'm not sure how old this one is maybe we'll have a date on there but let's take a look at this one shall we guys wow and so we see you know the cities we see those little little cities there we don't see boats on the land this time which is interesting uh blemies so is this where the blemies lived that's interesting too those are an interesting creature where are you guys? We got the crocodiles over here, of course. Ooh, this map gets interesting. We've got Tower of Babylesque structures looking. If you were to draw these two-dimensionally, they would look like those tall pyramids, wouldn't they? Hmm. Crazy. This is looking very, I don't know, Tartarian, dare I say. This whole era of medieval, I do wonder if this wasn't from a previous time like our more recent past is a bit more technological than we're allowed to understand maybe these medievalish times we were dressing like this but we actually had airships and things so you know the the immediate go-to thought is like super fantastic thoughts of like steampunk airships but if there was a control st structure in place like, like we have today in compartmentalization, only a select few would have had access to those things. So to think that the masses, the plebes, the average folk would have had access to airships, I think is a mistake. Um, or technology, I think is a mistake. I think there was technology in place to do things like pump the water. But I don't think most people knew about it. You know, I think that they just knew water came from this fountain in the square. Right. So it's interesting, all, all of these thoughts pertaining to history. Marmarica. Marmarica. Hmm. We have the griffin, the old Tartarian griffin. Right. And I think this is all representative of the, of the same. I don't want to call it a group because I'm sure it has changed over time drastically but the same driving force. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> the Sphinx was something else, it seems, right? You know what I mean? It really does seem that the Sphinx was, was different. And, and this is 1575, mind you. And it has exposed female breasts, you know. Shape of the pyramids also changes. Right? I gotta, I gotta, again, say something about these massive tree stump structures or mesas or whatever. You know, and I think that these ancient trees that a lot of people talk about, we're talking ancient guys. Like we're talking many, many uh, eons ago. 
Okay, I think aeons is a good word, or ages. Let's just say ages ago. And it's hard to think of time like that. Very, very distant pieces of time. Like we're taught to think of it as like such a foreboding kind of thing. But like, dude, what if what if like, you know, tomorrow you pass and then the following what's a day in your in your soul's eye, you come into this world and you're like 2000, 3000 years in the future. What if that's happening? You know, it seems to be dismissed a lot by modern dogma. But what if that's really the case? We're just rolling forward on the wheel of time. So we see uh, renditions of the pyramids in art, different art, different books and things. This is what has been passed on to us. Uh, this is supposedly 1554. Again, you know, I wonder, guys, like, look at this printing. Did they find these plates from 1554? And if they did, why are they telling us that the printing press wasn't really, like, finished up until, like, modern american times like it's crazy the whole thing the more you look into it starts to fall apart and starts to depend on itself for validation you know what i mean and you know i don't think that it's wrong to to feel like these images this imagery may have been the point it may have been what it was at some point and what we're seeing is this great pyramid may just be like this inner shell like this remnant of one of these things or they just took the ruins from all of this strewn all around and built the three or five that they have now right maybe they put obelisks up in in these places to memorialize these older structures okay because at a base level Humanity wants to remember in some way, shape, or form. That's the whole point of monuments. So was it four or 500 years ago that it was like this? That's what we're told, but I think it was longer. I, I think it's been a lot longer, guys. I think there's an entire missing era in our history. Between this and today, there's an entire missing era. Note the sphinx down here in this image this is in 1690 supposedly but we still have this bust over here so i mean you know was that was the sphinx from very recently like 1690 or something a few hundred years ago so it's hard to go strictly based on art. So we have the same theme kind of dominating the representation of Egypt, uh, Egyptian pyramids, like pre 19th century. So the, like we were talking about earlier, the greatness really isn't there and the shape is not the same. Now I'm on the fence about the greatness. I think these are sufficiently great. You know what I mean? Like sufficiently great, but are they as grand as what we see today? That's, that's really the question. Um, it's, it's crazy. These don't seem to be laid out in the same pattern either. So that's interesting. So there are pyramids, but not great pyramids. Here's an interesting one. We have a serpent beneath the great pyramids. Serpents, as some of you might know, are representations of electricity, of energy. So is this kind of 
subliminally letting us know that these structures were, are tapped into this subliminal energy and was the head of this snake, this head that they then put above ground. And were these like pilgrimage sites? Like we have the whaling wall today, you know, could be. It's just, it's incredible stuff. And then we get to some of these and it's like, wait, what, what has happened here? This is in 1735. So what if, stick with me on this, what if each set of art that comes out and is different from each other are actually from different ages? They've just been compiled in a linear timeline for us. But these are actually different ages. Different humanities, if you will. And we get to more current. And this is supposedly 1795. Okay. Look at how you cannot see the back end of the Sphinx or any of that. And, and that is going to come up later on. Now, we are, I mean, and we're going to continue looking at some, some art here. So supposedly, you know, 12 to 1800s. I don't know about that, right? <clears throat> I do think some of these are from different ages, you know, and, and have been diligently preserved over time, called different things in different eras. Um, but, you know, this may very well be what the inside of these gold roof structures may have looked like, uh, still very much lined with gold. And, you know, if at the, the little corner here, you had, let's say you had a film, copper filament or something going into or it was scalar, so you didn't. You had free energy kind of flowing through here. Uh, you know, maybe the building itself would act as a, a battery, right? With all of the layers of organic and inorganic matter, stone, metal, stone, metal, creating a battery. Limestone especially gets wet, helps to continue this process, okay? So there is a possibility of the energy side of things. I don't want to negate that from the whole uh, ancient subject. All right, mistakenly called Tartaria. Now, um, so we see a lot of these are again artist renditions. These are things you'd be shown if you live far away. You'd open a book, and it would take you right there in your mind to Egypt. And this is what they wanted you to think of here. And meanwhile, you go back a little ways, and it's completely different. Okay, so they have adapted these sites to serve to serve and suit a new and different narrative every time much like this suddenly there's only two this is supposedly i don't know i think this is a representation of uh, uh i can't quite read it but interesting nonetheless and this would be like napoleonic times right so again only two hmm very different looking pyramids also. So were these people, oh no, here's one back here it looks like. So were these people lying when they were painting this stuff? Was it just for aesthetics to paint it this way? In a previous time, do these pyramids have bases? You know, um, and really what is the point of all of this stuff just to honor gods i don't think that that was the only point but if they considered 
the gods the energies that they were using drawing from they considered electricity and the like the holy spirit or the spirit of god and able to accomplish receiving this energy through gold which was thought to be the metal of the gods and the metal of the sun and then they worship the sun it would make a lot more sense as to why they would worship the sun so hard in uh you know pharaohic times if you want to call them that you know it makes sense right they wouldn't have to be burning stuff all the time would they also be burning things doing works creating bricks creating different things using fire sure but I don't think that that's primarily what they use to light up the night or light up their underground structures or light these giant castles. Okay. So there are just some thoughts. We have some interesting imagery here. Very interesting stuff. Large king man sitting over here, watching over his uh, people, creating all this stuff for him. You know, I don't think it's a far cry to think that there were larger people before, and these larger people would have felt divine right to rule over the smaller ones. But we're talking previous age. This is what the division of ages is. Right? Incredible. Very different. Very different stuff going on. And, you know, if each... Uh, if each structure had to reach up to the heavens in order to create this electric current, then they would have, wouldn't they? And that seems to be what they're doing. Now, another thing you can look at this and see is what if they were actually using things like oil back in these days, mining for them. And these are some of like the boom structures that they use for the mine lifts and things. That could also be the case. There's a lot of possibilities here. And I find it very important to not negate any of those possibilities. Could they have been temples specifically for worshiping and or going in and having orgone energy flow through you so you can meditate in a deeper state? Also a possibility. So there are a lot of possibilities, many of which we are simply not being told or sold about today. Okay. And yes, you know, some of these, this building material definitely would have been reused. And we look at Cairo today and, and, uh, you know, Conveniently enough, here's a modernish photo. But we see how they've rebuilt a lot of this stuff based on what probably looked like this at one point. Like, this is all brand new. Okay. <laughs> so what makes it okay for them to renovate, um, rejuvenate all of this stuff, right? Well, because, you know, there's a demand for it. People want to see and remember, even if it's only they're remembering in the depths of their soul of a previous era. And if you don't believe in that sort of thing, then inspiration, musings of God from all time, right? So there's still are a lot of remnants out there that we, we don't really see too much. These are the Nubian pyramids. But it also begs the question... <laughs> are what we're considering ancient Egypt was it more like ancient Nubia and has been like relocated and they've taken a lot of this these structures and just carted the stuff over to Egypt and said all right we're going to build our theme park here is that a far cry I think it's a great possibility you know but it's up to you out there to think about these things and decide 
you know, if maybe there wouldn't be some political reason to move all this stuff from down here in Sudan, where we now have groups of people mining battery metals and, and, and really just destroying everything down in here. We have Sudanian, you know, piracy and all kinds of crazy things we're told, you know, through the news and everything. But you go back up here, way up here to the very mouth, and we have Cairo. We have Cairo, and we have, you know, the pyramids up here with Luxor. So is it really a stretch to think that there couldn't have been a group of people large enough, or large enough people, for that matter, <laughs> to move this stuff? We see evidence of stuff being moved all around the ancient world. Right? But with those engrams, with the you know, thoughts of great pyramids and things only coming around in the 1600s at earliest. You know, I, and some would say, you know, people can't keep a secret. Uh, well, you know, secret societies and secret groups of people that are inside on their own joke can definitely keep a secret. And they have throughout all time. <laughs> you know what I mean? We see um, pyramids in Scotland and things, too looking very much like this we're told they're or rome roman tombs okay but what if rome was the conqueror and they went and conquered all this stuff then set up shop in, in egypt and we're like all right we're going to show people the past but only the way we want them to see it i know it's scary to some people the proverbial we or they right here this is in italy that's what i'm exactly what i was talking about Clearly made of concrete. But you will go to this site and I'm sure it will tell you it is some kind of a limestone. You know? <laughs> this is the that same pyramid. Looking very much newer than the ones we were just looking at in Nubia, am I right? Hmm. I think we're looking at a difference of ages, guys. All of the different markings, I, J, different ages, different eras. Today, we have AD. Next time, it'll be something else. Used to be, I think, current era. I think they still use that as, a, as an interesting like nod to the past. You know, era, current era. There are many eras before us, and there will be many after us. It's important to know and understand that. What's going on with those naked trees over here? Something happened, guys. Something happened. Flood? Maybe. That would definitely do this to this tree. Is the flood more recent than we are allowed to understand? It's a possibility, right? But what do we see in this uh, imagery, guys? We see the two pillars, right? We see the pyramid with the eye. I, I mean, what more do you want to understand that this is the same thing? that has been going on through the ages, nodding to itself, disclosing information about itself, the same, call it an entity. Uh, you know, a lot of people disagree with the idea of one non-living thing, like the concept of Rome or the concept of control or the Freemason secret society concept or the you know, the ancient builder concept or guilds, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe that people have the capacity to work together to such an extent to make all of this 
fabricated history possible. But I'm telling you, people can do amazing, amazing things when there's an end goal in mind. And if you think that these people that have implemented the current history have not profit from it, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Let me see more of the dual pillars. <sighs> Symbolism. We've got the, the what the birds, the bees, what something going on up here. Locusts, alligators. Some kind of an interesting lion. Dog-headed man holding serpents. Like it, it goes on and on. And each of these individual small little things has meaning. This scarab itself might be a uh, representation of levitation due to the uh, underlying structure in the scarab's wings, which through certain stimulation may cause levitation. Um, maybe we'll get a video on that at some point. But, you know, so there's meaning to all of this stuff. It's not just beautiful art. There's, you know, when you're passing images through time to tell a story, you embed things. Things that maybe only the subconscious is going to rec or recognize at a certain level anyway. So the art, you know, surrounding with sun and moon, this is very, if you look at this to me, I see the same things that I see when we look at, uh, you know, modern Freemasonry. Okay. And we're going to take a look at some, some of those symbols just so that you can see what I'm talking about. So it's a nod to itself, guys. Now, I'm sure you all know the square and compass symbol. But here, let's take a look. Okay, so these are just some. Let's go big. These are just some society emblems. Okay. And we see these things recurring through history in different renditions. The two-headed eagle, the Habsburgs, uh, is also an entire society of people. So it's not just a family, right? The two pillars, the arch, the checkered floor. Okay. So there's meaning to all of this stuff. The two pillars, again, sun and moon, duality. God, the all-seeing eye, square and compass, triangle, hermetic tree of life embedded in a lot of these. Okay. So it's just, it's something to consider is all I'm saying. And not everybody will, but there are some of you out there that will look at this stuff and see the nods to the previous era's version of this. <laughs> okay. So does that make it inherently evil that the stuff's being manufactured and portrayed to us a certain way? I don't think so. You know, it's an interesting place that most of us start out at thinking that there's some like crazy dark push behind everything and of course there are dark and light folks people right much like this two-headed symbol here which is yet another duality nod the god janus 
right? Looking forward and looking back in time, but also having the central face. Wild, right? Super wild. Sun orb embedded in. So it's just, this is what they pushed through time through to today. The Ahura Mazda flying god in a disc thing here. The many faces of divinity, if you want to call them that. But an interesting thing, though, when we look at like these fireplace things, some will say that they're not fireplaces. I think there were some, but they were altars. These places that had the ability to burn things, these were altars to the gods, to the stars. These were very interesting, to say the least. But you see the symbolism embedded, right? The duality. The trinity. It's all here. It's all here. Something interesting to note about the version of Egyptian style that we see here is look at this. This is looking a lot like what has been called Tartarian headdress by some lately. But it also has the hood of a cobra. But if you look at just this face, just this face and this, this top part, it looks a lot like the Statue of Liberty. So, that I, dude, guys, it's all the same. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that or see that. I mean, look, square and compass, uh, dual nature, it's all here. Many-faced God, forward and backward in time. Uh, <laughs> the griffins, the, the winged gods, the serpents, the dual serpents, it's all here. It's all the same. I'm sure that's not comfortable for many people, you know, but <laughs> it's a thing. These could have been different eras, some very similar to each other, a progression maybe of different ideas and thoughts. We have the dual, more refined dual nature here, male and female, right? So these, these ideas, they, they transcend us. They're embedded and they transcend us. They are pushed through time. As above, so below. Interesting symbolism. A lot of this looking very similar to what we see on the back of our dollar bills. <laughs> okay. Winged scarab. Very incredible, very incredible artwork. Maybe this was in the time of Taurus, so they have the bowl, right? And there, there definitely is an element of star worship, uh, sun worship, celestial praise going on. And, and I think that's because that's the one thing that stays the same. The one thing that is steady and constant are, are the stars. So we have the Ankh, the symbol for life. We have the serpent, the symbol for energy. And we have the scarab, the symbol for God or lift or rising, right? So these, these concepts are, are deeper than just one word, much deeper than just one word.
an entire underground area that is being shown to us here that exists beneath this plateau. Mm -hmm. Shown in this nice cutaway. I love this. Expressing that maybe the Ark of the Covenant is actually beneath the Giza Plateau or beneath the Egyptian Plateau. This is why we cannot go down there and look and stuff. Maybe this thing that these ancients have built is somehow powering something in the sky. Oh, that's an interesting thought. So we've got obelisks and we've got a lot of this language, which I'm not sure about, guys. I don't know that this is something that has made it through the ages and we have not been able to, you know, decipher and this and that. I think this is a more recent creation, but a compilation of lots and lots of ideas from the past. And it had to be imparted in pictograph because there's so much to this. But when someone says, oh, we've translated it, it means this sentence. I think they're sadly mistaken. I think that this could have several different meanings like this here, duality, trinity right next to each other. But they'll say that maybe this is a name or just a simple idea. But what if these are bigger concepts embedded within all of this? The dual headed eagle, like. So some level of these families of these groups survives to this day. And we see that in family crests, flags, uh, coats of arms. Again, interesting that we have this mine shaft coming down into the underground and look what's under here, all kinds of crazy stuff. And we're just now finding out about these scans, supposed scans of Egypt, you know, uh, showing that there's an entire structure under. I don't doubt that there's an entire temple structure underneath Egypt. I think that there's probably an entire underground structure underneath almost every major node in the known world. In Los Angeles, it's called the Lizard's Underground City, right? <laughs> so this is interesting. Now, we've all seen the, the interestingly shaped pyramids, right? But I've never seen one shaped like a Hershey's Kiss before. Hmm. Is that a nod by Hershey's? <laughs> but anyway, so this is looking like that one that's like, you know, the two different angles. Maybe it looked like this at one point, but it's much more angular now. The differences of the pyramids in Egypt. It's interesting. You know, and, and I think that the, a lot of this kind of architecture, some of it, I think, was crafted recently. Okay. Now, the ideas embedded within it, however, I think are very old and have come through all ages. Like the neoclassical idea. Right. The builders or Masonic ideal of pillar and dome, these components, these elements have come through time, some of which, you know, may have been older than others. But yes, at some point in the last couple hundred years, we have abandoned the classical style on all fronts. Sure, it's sad and upsetting, right? And it's unfortunate that many of these things are preserved only for the wealthy of our time. But, you know, I, I think what, it, what happens is uh, we start to develop these means of, you know, ventilating 
through our modern HVAC systems. So we, we wind up not needing this expansive use of material anymore to suit the same purpose that it once did. A lot of this stuff was so huge because it was naturally aerated. They didn't have air conditioning. These places were the air conditioning. These massive stone structures would like it'd be like walking into a cave in the middle of the day. The, the temperature would just drop drastically when you walked in. And then if, think about this. If you had some attachments up top that wound into a coil, a simple coil underneath your floor with a certain resistance, when that sun is shining clear in the winter, you will warm up your house through that divine energy. It's a possibility, right? So this is an interesting take. It looks a lot more like a survey to me. Like, like listen, all right, here's where we want to build. <laughs> here's where we want to build the great one right here. And uh, let's let's put a second one down here and over and another one over here. Uh, and we'll sign it with a G. <laughs> Very interesting stuff. So, you know, some of the thoughts that come up, they're all over the place. Everyone has so many different thoughts. And, you know, so many of them are so valid. But like we're going to see in a, in a future video more like this. We're going to see more evidence of the pyramids having been renovated at a minimum. Let's say renovated at a minimum, okay? Um, where, you know, things seem to have like poured together or been set in. And we obviously see different kind of stonework, different facades maybe put on over time, serve different purposes, you know, um, When we think of, here's something I wanted to say. When we think of who, who are these skilled people, these skilled people that perform all of these works, what they consider great works to push and mold the psyche of humanity, these people prefer to be behind the scenes. They do not make themselves known to anybody but the initiated. And a lot of people see that as a big problem. A lot of people aren't able to understand it and kind of come to terms with the fact that there are secrets in this world that mold this experience for all of us. You know what I mean? So we see that these were not as beautifully straight and, you know, ornate as, as we were told, right? They just look like some piles of rocks, possibly concrete blocks, right? And there's a lot more and we see evidence of what well, looks like a concrete cutting wheel here now either that or if you want to go way fringe on it these are pieces of petrified trees okay now i don't necessarily agree with that all the time <laughs> but this is clearly concrete and you know i've worked with enough concrete to know what concrete looks like this is modern this is concrete when i say modern i mean probably only a couple hundred years old at most because when concrete degrades, it starts to then look like this. And you can tell, you know, a lot of stuff was chipped out. Maybe this was actually inserted. Maybe there was an entryway somewhere here. It kind of looks that way, doesn't it? Like something was patched up here. And there's so many more different and interesting photos uh, that we are going to have to go through it. Now, if this was ancient concrete, it would definitely erode like this. 
the lime would start to separate from the coconut and everything else. Yeah, I know I said coconut. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you see here, you see this plaster holding these smaller stones together. And, and I don't want to get too far into this because there's so much of it. I have like 300 pictures that I want to present to everybody and show that this looks to have been more current than we're, we're led to believe. Um, and not as perfect as we're led to believe. Right. So I think this is going to go like way far into that stuff. And, uh, you know, I wanted to just kind of demonstrate that there's things are questionable, synthetic granite, possibly. Why are there bricks and remain gold? So these are some of the questions we're going to look at as we look through all of these pictures at a later time. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that you stay tuned and, and tune back in. And, uh, yeah, so that's about it for today. Let's go ahead and stop that. All right. That's about it for today. Just wanted to share that thought. Were these created by Napoleon or the entity known as Napoleon, which we can call modern history? Right. I think that that's fair to say. The whole idea of the 17 and 1800s has been spun to such an extent. It is hard for us to decipher who did what, who was where, and so on. Does that mean all of it's false? You know, I don't think so. I don't think that means all of it's false. I think, though, that there's a deliberate stacking of stories that have been carried through time, a much longer time scale than we're allowed to understand. And, and you know, I think that this is for a purpose, guys. I think that this drives the purpose of this technocratic push for technology. I think this is what's behind. This is the entity, if you will, behind the motivation to make us think that we are exceptional. It's an ego boost. And with that ego boost comes motivation, right? For the most part, especially when you look at not even the fringes of society, just the upper echelon and edges that are creating and pushing technology in an ever forward motion, you know, forward motion, like without us believing we're the center of the universe for so long and then pivoting over to being meaningless specs. Now I'll tell you right now, nobody who's up there designing this technology, coming up with all of these modifications to new ideas, old ideas, so on. None of these people are thinking that they are meaningless. All right. Most of these people apply the teachings of hermetic science to their own lives. So they understand the depth of the, of the world, of the universe, how very or unimportant we all are, and how it is exactly the same thing. So don't want to get too crazy on a rant about, you know, hermetic teachings and things. But if you haven't looked into any of it, it's it's a good thing to look into. It's a good thing to understand that there's so much more to this story. There's so much more to it. It's so beautiful and so interesting. And, and so many people spend so much of their time just focusing on the negative because they are not happy with themselves or what they're doing with themselves. And you know what? To be quite frank, that's on them. So that's where I'm going to end that rant today. And I want to thank you all again for tuning in uh, to another video. And we will have another one coming up relatively shortly. 
And uh, thanks again, everybody. And I hope this information finds you well.